30, going deep. And he's got his receiver Adams! Slicing in for the touchdown. Pulse of the Pack Podcast. of the Pack Podcast. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a victory version of Pulse of the Pack. That's right, the 6-1 and one. Green Bay Packers, my Green Bay Packers, your Green Bay Packers, and our Green Bay Packers are 6-1 after a 42-24 dismantling of the Oakland Raiders. I'm your host this evening. I am Jacob Westendorf to recap the big win for the Green Bay Packers and another. The last time they'll be at home for at least a little while. Join with me as always, the gray beard that has a little bit more gray in it today than it did before because... Well, he's a nervous wreck during every game. It could be 54 to nothing, and he'll be telling me how the Packers could lose. That is upbeat lollipop, Jason Perrone. Jason, you're smirking because you know I'm right. I'm smirking because I always try to predict how you're going to open the show and describe me, and you never cease to uh, surprise. So that was really more of what that had to do with than anything. Um, hey, you ask the co-host of Cheesehead TV Live, Jeremy Vanderlinden, if – I said one time, that's the ball game during yesterday's game. I, in fact, did not say that. So I I didn't love some of the defense. We're going to talk about that. But it's hard not to love 42-24. It's also hard not to love, um, and I never thought as a child I would ever care so much about a number that's not even, but 158.3, it's hard not to love that. Yeah, I guess my first question is, is it good if your quarterback finishes the game with a perfect passer rating? Is that a good thing? It's, uh, it's probably a really good thing. And what I'd like to know is if it, that's ever happened in the history of the NFL and the team has lost. It's like throwing a perfect game. Oh, Andy Hawkins, 1990. You know this one, right? Throws yeah. a perfect game and then they lose one nothing somehow on errors and walks. That's great. Well, it can't be walks if it was a perfecto, but yeah, I, I mean, I've seen teams lose on no hitters, but yeah, not a perfecto. That's interesting. Right. Uh, if we could not talk about baseball ever again, that would be just fantastic. And uh, I don't think we have to explain why I am dead inside. And we're on to football. We are on to football forever and ever. Uh, as I told my wife on Saturday evening, I don't like sports anymore, but sports did not mean football. So it pretty much just meant baseball. So We'll be at it there. Um, to answer your question, yes, it is a good thing if the if the quarterback has a perfect passer rating. And let's start right there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I you know we kind of been talking about how he'd been playing well, but the statistics and stuff don't necessarily line up with what you think you're seeing on the field. <laughs> Sunday, they uh, they all lined up. Aaron Rodgers was dealing right from the get go. He threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Aaron Jones to open the game. And he really was just dynamite all game long. Uh, he finished the day, like you mentioned, with a perfect passer rating, five touchdown passes, uh, one rushing touchdown, or as Matt LaFleur said, the old man even ran for one. He was phenomenal. And he was doing it with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Jake Kumaro, uh, guys like that catching passes from him. 
it's incredible uh, what he's been doing. The stuff that people say about other quarterbacks like Tom Brady, for example, of playing without elite receivers and still lighting up the field, that's what Rodgers was doing. And he's been on a three-game tear. Again, this is the first time the stats have really measured up to how well I thought he's played. But he's done it without his best receiver. And that's definitely a positive because eventually, yes, the Packers are going to need Devontae Adams. But this time without him has been very important for these young guys because every week it's been somebody new. Uh, And yesterday it really was a total team effort. But against Dallas, it was Aaron Jones. Alan Lazard had a big game against Detroit. And yesterday, Marcos Valdez-Scantling caught a couple, you know, he caught a deep ball on the shot play and then uh, raced for a 75-yard touchdown, which me and my brother both like to yell track speed when he gets up to full speed because, my God, he just, wow, he's gone. I mean, it's it's fun to watch. So, But, Jason, let's start with the quarterback. Uh, a lot of people, there was a, a, quite a few uh, stupid people who were writing stories about how is Aaron Rodgers a lead anymore? Is he washed up? Is he not able to do the things he used to do? And I say that they weren't watching the games. They were watching box scores and numbers, and trust me, I think stats are very important. I'm pro-analytics. Uh, I'm pro all those things. But I also think you need to watch the games and s- trust what you're seeing to some degree as well. Stats without context don't matter. That's kind of the short version of what I have to say. So talk to me, man. What do you think of this quarterback play? Uh, is Aaron Rodgers back in – I mean, yesterday was his best game since around the table. I mean, Dallas in 2017. I, I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen him play like that. Tell me, is he back in MVP form? No, he's not back in MVP form. He's always been in MVP form. He never left. Um, no, I mean, he, he didn't play very well in spots over the last couple seasons. He had, obviously didn't play in 17. He was injured most of it. And then last year was just a mess and kind of a blip. I think 2018 is going to have an asterisk on it for any Packers fan that really knows the deal. So, yeah, this was awesome. This was probably, I think about it, back to – the Dallas, the Dallas game in 2017, the week before he broke his collarbone, you know, that was, that was a great game, but I think that game also featured a lot of Aaron Jones too. So the last time Aaron Rodgers went off and threw down might've actually been statistically speaking, the Christmas Eve game at Lambeau field against the Vikings in 2016. Oh, yes, I was in the JJ and the beard guy game. Yeah. I took my son. He was three years old. It was first Packers game, went down to the field beforehand because we got there early and it was Christmas Eve. It was the first time it was sunny in Lambeau Field and I was there uh, in in the many times that I've been there. And yeah, we got to meet Wilcox and he let JJ tug on his beard a little bit. I have a picture of it. So that's cool. I'll try to find it and post it uh, later if I think of it. But 25 of 31, 429 yards, 13.8 yard average, five touchdowns, no interceptions, only one sack on the day. Quarterback rating of 97.2, I still don't understand what the hell that's made up of, but the quarterback rating that we know and the number that I referenced earlier, 158.3, the first time in the history of the Green Bay Packers that a quarterback has finished a game with a 158.3. I know Favre several times in his career had a 158.3 going, didn't end the game that way, and Aaron Rodgers gets the lone game ball in the postgame celebration in the locker room. I'm Side note, I love the way Lafleur does that he reads some stats get the team fired up more so than anything though the closeness of the team and what you see every week and then when they're celebrating a victory unfortunately we've had a chance to see them do this six times already in only seven tries this is an amazing reason and Aaron Rodgers is is, is the reason why um, I hope we're going to spend some more time on the wide receivers because an interesting um, 
thought was posed today with regards to Devontae Adams coming back. Um, and I think it's worth kind of talking about a little bit. But what can you say? And I guess the guy's still got a little bit of wheels, ran himself in for one, and then he had to show Max Crosby, the rising star of the Oakland Raiders defense, when and how to do the belt celebration because Crosby tried to do one on his lone sack earlier in the game, and he just didn't look good. Yeah. Didn't look good. <laughs> I mean, somebody, Joe Arrigo, a friend of the show the other day, asked, you know, when is when do people do the belt? Has it ever really worked out for them? And I'm sure there's instances that it has, but, like, I mean, I think back to John Abraham did it, and Aaron Rodgers proceeded to have maybe the best postseason quarterback performance ever, or at least, at minimum, I think the best quarterback performance I have ever personally watched. Uh, so you had that one. You had J.J. Watt do it. In 2012, Aaron Rodgers responds with six touchdown passes and tells reporters to be quiet after the game. And then you have yesterday where he finishes with a perfect passer rating. Long story short, don't do the freaking belt. I mean, Never. <laughs> I, you know what? Actually, no, forget that. Actually, forget I said that. In the playoffs, if you guys are going to come to Lambeau Field, if a team's going to come to Lambeau Field, please do the belt in every yeah. single game. And I will promise you that Packers fans will be smiling after the game is over. Hey, I heard, I heard now. I know you said we're only going to focus on Oakland. Just so you guys know, Jake does tell me what's going on before the show, and then I just don't listen to it. Right. Um, I did hear, though, because I know that he listens to our shows very religiously. I heard that um, Travis Kelsey wakes up every morning and does the belt in the mirror before before he does anything. So I, I just want to throw that out there. That's all. I just It's it's Monday. I just want to throw that out there. I heard Travis Kelsey does that every day, though, before he, before he oh. starts his day. Hopefully Darnell Savage is on his way back and heard that so he can take him out of the game. But, yeah, we'll, we'll focus on Kansas City here later this week. But to go over Oakland real quick, you mentioned the receivers. Eight different players caught a pass. Of Rodgers' five touchdown passes, they all went to different receivers. Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones each caught one. Jay Kumaro caught one, and I thought the state of Wisconsin was going to explode. Jimmy Graham caught one, and Marcos Valdez-Scantling caught one. I guess my first question, Jason, is, on Kumaro's touchdown, there was some question as to whether he was out of bounds, but can you really be out of bounds if you can walk on water? No, he when he wasn't out of bounds anyway. And I loved how on TV, and we were fortunate enough, for those of you who watched the TV cast, to get Tony Romo with CBS, so we didn't have to deal with Fox. Uh, and I don't have a problem with the Fox team either, but I love Tony Romo as a, as a sportscaster and as an analyst. I didn't love him as a Cowboys quarterback, but... And they were trying. They were trying. Well, they were trying. Well, they were trying to find like foot marks on the field, and you know all kinds of stuff like that. It's like, please give me a break. This first of all, this new turf that they use doesn't make the same kind of imprint or footprints as this isn't Soldier Field. It's not you know complete quicksand. So good luck trying to find a, a you know the footprint of Jake Kumaro on there. You know however you want to do it, but. No, that was it. Was awesome. I mean, a lot of guys caught a ball, caught balls. A lot of a lot of pass catching. Danny Vitale had a couple grabs. Alan Lazard um, showed up big in a in a big spot, made a huge catch. Aaron Jones caught one in the end zone. I mean, everything that was kind of ailing the team last week a little bit, they fixed this week. Last week, Jimmy Graham couldn't convert a first down uh, at one point, and and he just looked like he was super slow. And in in this game against the Raiders, he actually got some yards after the catch and made a guy miss. Like there was this, there was all kinds of good vibes going on at Lambeau field and the wide receivers were, were a big piece of it. Now the, what I was going to say earlier was you, you spread the ball around very nicely the way that Rogers did and the offense did. And a lot of that is drawn up and you've got Aaron Rodgers making decisions as the quarterback. 
But I have to wonder, you know, you have to do that now because there is no Devontae Adams. But when Devontae Adams comes back, does this continue? Because if they can maintain spreading the ball around, if Rodgers can maintain that trust and we go back to the days of him having three and four viable options that he does trust, does this thing just elevate and this offense just becomes a juggernaut? Or do we see perhaps a little bit of a, a regression because you're looking for number 17 a lot? I trust Rodgers to make good decisions and take care of the football. I'm not worried about that. But, you know, does this amazing, you know, spray chart, if you will, of catches, does, you know, does it hold? Does it maintain? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. Uh, I mean, obviously, the team's not better without Devontae Adams. That's not what is being said at all. Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the NFL. However, there is something to that of focusing in on one guy and focusing in on trying to get the ball to specific people to get them involved. Whereas without Adams, Rodgers really has had to, this is the guy who's there. This is the guy who's open. I've got to throw him the ball. And I'm not suggesting that he didn't throw people footballs in the past because he didn't like them or anything like that. Even though Jeff Janis will complain on a podcast that that may have been the case. He's out of the NFL, hasn't played in two years, guys. Newsflash, sorry, he sucked. It's just the reality of the situation. But when Adams comes back, that is something I would like to see because something that made from 2009 to 2012-ish, what made the Packers so dangerous was, yeah, there were a lot of options. And granted, I mean, that's an offense that may never be put together ever again. I mean, Greg Jennings, Packers Hall of Famer. He's an asshole, but he's a Packers Hall of Famer. James Jones, Packers Hall of Famer. Randall Cobb, Packers Hall of Famer. Donald Driver, all-time leader in receiving yardage, Packers Hall of Famer. Jordy Nelson, Packers Hall of Famer. Jermichael Finley, Packers Hall of Famer. I mean, that's ridiculous. And I'm not suggesting that this group is like that. However, being able to trust those guys to be in the right spots and make the plays that are given to them. And the Packers, I mean, they didn't miss a whole lot of plays yesterday. Alan Lazard had one ball that he dropped because he heard some footsteps when uh, they hit the turkey hole right in front of John Gruden, which I thought was kind of funny because John Gruden said the word turkey hole. I don't know if he invented it, but he said it pretty frequently on Monday Night Football. It was fun to watch, and I think that spreading the ball around to the receivers like that has a positive effect on the team going forward. Now, that has led to some – there's like two specific sections of Packer fandom. There's the let the Packers receivers develop side of things which is kind of spearheaded by Aaron Nagler of Cheesehead TV. And there's what my opinion is, the more sensible side of eventually, yes, the receivers played great yesterday. The offense was awesome, all that stuff. You're going to play a great defense eventually. Let's just say, for example, if you get where you want to go, which is the Super Bowl, well, guys, Monday Night Football's on behind me right here, and I, I, I hate to break it to you, but they're probably going to be playing the New England Patriots if that's what happens. What does Bill Belichick do better than anyone? He takes your best asset and takes it away. So Devontae Adams, more likely than not, will not be a factor in that game. And what he does, what Belichick does, and I think it's kind of smart, Mike Patton's done it at times this year too, is Stephon Gilmore might be the best corner in football, I would argue he is. He puts them on your number two option, and he'll double your number one option. So he'll double Devontae Adams, and Stephon Gilmore is going to be covering Marquez Valdez-Scaling. Do you have confidence in those receivers to be able to beat that kind of coverage? 
Why did the Packers beat the Patriots in that game we were at, Jason? Because, I mean, Jordan Nelson had a big play, yes. Randall Cobb had some big plays, yes. Large part was Devontae Adams being able to destroy Logan Ryan. Breakout game. Yeah. Made one of the best games of his career to date, to be honest. To that point it was, and he could have could have cemented it with an amazing catch at the end that would have sealed the victory even more so than it, than it did. Yeah, I almost pissed my pants when that happened. I remember well, I that. Aaron Rodgers, if you watch that game again, Aaron Rodgers literally goes down to his knees and, and puts his hands in turf. He was so he wanted so badly to beat Belichick and the and the great big machine that was the Patriots, which he did anyway. You know, amidst Tom Brady tantrum on the sideline. But yeah, Devontae Adams, uh it, it, it's so cool to be a part of something so special, but that day was was really amazing. It was awesome to see it right before my very eyes, watch a, a young star coming into his own because that was towards the end of the season that was you know beginning of his rookie year and then the following year I mean we know a lot now that we didn't know back then but you know to look back on it now that was a very significant day absolutely what that leads to the point into is you know shit there's a lot of rumblings on that today you know the report was that the Packers previously the report was that they were calling around on other wide receivers today the report was that because of the play of Lazard and Kumaro and Valdez Scantling and some of the other guys that they're not necessarily looking at that. And I personally, I mean, granted, I don't know what the price tags are. If somebody's asking for a first-round pick for Emmanuel Sanders, then you laugh and say thank you and go on your way. But if there's something sensible, the Packers shouldn't be passing on a receiver just because of a couple good games. Because, I mean, like I just mentioned, do you guys have the confidence that in a big game like that, that Alan Lazard or Jake Kumaro is going to Jordy Nelson in the Super Bowl? I mean, and remember, Jordy Nelson wasn't Jordy Nelson in 2010. We've no, and the other thing, too, is, is that Alan Lazard thinks that he will. I mean, he has that kind of confidence. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but, yeah, that's that's the thing is you have to also – I think we're at the risk of sounding like we're talking down to, to fans that you know buy into that whole narrative that the Packers now feel comfortable with what they have – you got to take a look at the defense that they were facing. I mean, they yep. just traded one of the cornerbacks that was out there that they they spent a first round pick on today to the Houston Texans. Garyon Conley is no longer a Raider. That was his last game as a Raider. He's gone, and that that defense is not on par with some of the elite defenses they're going to see in the playoffs. So don't let one game become your fool's gold. Right, and actually, I mean, honestly, you know, I know that the Packers just had a big game on offense six days prior, they really struggled against the Detroit lions and the lions are not a good defense. So there's give and take. And I think using one major point to prove your point is a little ridiculous personally, but yes, I do think the Packers should be looking at another option at receiver. Emmanuel Sanders was the option that I had given before they played the Broncos five weeks ago, whenever that was, I don't know if that's going to happen. They say Adam Schefter says the price tags right around a day two pick. Might be a little too rich for a rental. There is precedent for that. Golden Tate uh, was traded for a third-round pick last year to the Philadelphia Eagles. Ended up being a rental and now signed with the Giants. We'll see. Uh, I mean, I don't know anybody who's on the block. I know there's some names that have been thrown on. I can tell you A.J. Green is not getting traded, so we should probably stop talking about that. But other than that, I mean, there are shocking trades all the time. Did anybody expect Odell Beckham to get traded in the offseason? No. No, I'm not saying that Green Bay is going to trade for Julio Jones tomorrow, but that would be freaking awesome if they did but yeah i mean i don't think one game should change that that being said jason you mentioned alan lazard two games in a row the old coach might say he's stacking success uh, what do we make of this guy this is a guy who didn't make the team out of training camp he lost out to guys like kumaro and darius shepherd and 
he's kind of surpassed them on the depth chart already. Rodgers likes him, which that matters. How do we feel about this guy? He's kind of different from any receiver they've ever had before. Oh, I agree. I agree that he's different. And at this point now, we can say, because we've done it before, where we overvalue a, a training camp darling receiver and we're afraid at cutdown time, no, we can't cut that guy because he won't make it through waivers. And lo and behold, he's wide open available to stash on the practice squad because 31 other teams saw the same thing the Packers did, which was mm, maybe not right now. Uh, but at this point, I think some teams are probably starting to regret that decision um, after two weeks of of what he's done. And it's the difference for me with Lazard is is the way that he carries himself. He does not carry himself like a player who is playing in his first game. You know, I mean, you tell the quarterback in a do or die situation on a primetime game, I want the ball. This guy can't cover me and you're a rookie and you're undrafted. You didn't even make this team and you got called up because of injury and you know other other roster moves and you catch that touchdown and then you go make a huge sideline grab the next week yeah that's stacking success and that's making huge plays and that's called being a gamer and that's what the Packers need so even if it's specific to Green Bay he's earned more and I think now we can say hey we got a guy this is definitely not somebody we should we we got to get get him more snaps get him integrated into the offense and figure out how to, you know, how to how to make make him work because the one thing that the Packers have been lacking, especially with Adams out, is a guy in the slot. And it only takes somebody who's able to get shifty and smart and run routes and catch the football to be effective in the slot. I mean, Randall Cobb is not coming back. He's with the Cowboys now. So here's a great option. I like him a lot. I think he's I think he's destined to do great things. And thank God that Lazard is stepping up and doing what he's doing because that's what Darius Shepard was supposed to do. That's why they kept Darius Shepard. They wanted him to eventually be this guy. Now they had counted on full health and not having to shove Shepard into the offense before he was ready. And last week, the game against the Lions, you know, he, as far as Shepard's concerned, just burned the tape. It was terrible, terrible showing. So fortunately, Lazard makes up for it now. And, and maybe, yeah, maybe you don't have to run out and spend a one and overspend to fix the receiver position because you don't want to see your season go up in flames later when you start playing elite teams. Uh, but he's, he's a great little security blanket and the quarterback likes him a lot. And we say it over and over again, everyone rolls their eyes, but it's important. You got to have the trust of the guy throwing the football and Lazard has earned it. He's uh, you know, he's definitely not living up to the number on the back of his Jersey, according to the, to folklore with the number 13. He is, he has been, he's been very good these last two games. Yeah, and I think credit's deserved. He was one of the guys that I said definitely that they should cut, and they did, and got him back in the practice squad. And right now I'm thankful they did because Darius Shepard, I mean, I know he's an undrafted rookie, and he's a rookie, and he's undrafted. So obviously it's not like I expected him to be Randall Cobb right away. But he's had a rough couple weeks. Uh, it was really bad against Detroit, obviously, we know that. Yesterday, he didn't make any turnovers, but he didn't make any plays either. Uh, and as the returner, I mean, I know that that position is kind of a dying breed, and the ones that are good are so rare. It's not like you find Cordero Patterson every single day. But I'd like to see Green Bay, and I know they've done some stuff this this season and this offseason. I would like to see them look into finding somebody with some returnability because – there is an advantage to having somebody that's explosive at that position, and I just don't know if Shepard is. Uh, I think that 
I would like to see the Packers basically settle for more or not settle for he caught the ball. Like he can make a fair catch kind of thing, which is kind of what I thought. Like last year, Tremont Williams was the punt returner. Why they were confident in him catching the ball, though he didn't do that a couple different times. Kind of the same thing with Randall Cobb as he got to later in his career. Let's go to the other side of the ball. we got a little bit of time left before we're out here. Jason, it wasn't a dominant performance, but I think I can tell you uh, it, this will be an Andy Herman shatter points for Packer Report, uh, whatever day that comes out. I can promise you that. Derek Carr fumbling through the back of the end zone, and I want to discuss this because I do not have a problem with that being the rule. If you don't want to be penalized for fumbling the ball out of the back of the end zone, don't fumble the football. It, it, it's pretty simple to me. Bill Belichick, the best coach maybe ever, most likely the best coach ever, forbids his players to do those things. Derek Carr sticks the ball out and fumbles it out of the back of the end zone. The Raiders, at that point, if they score a touchdown, it's 17-14. to 14. They have the lead. Green Bay will have the ball with a chance to score a touchdown. Best case scenario for Oakland. It's 17 to 14. Maybe the Packers tie it. Maybe they go up 21 to 17. Instead, the worst case scenario is they turn the ball over and the Packers go down the field and score a touchdown. Now it's 21 to 10 and they come out of the field and score again coming out of halftime. It's 28 to 10. Just like that. They change the entire game. There was no recovering from that. My question to you is real quick. What are your thoughts on that rule? Should it, should it be a touchback? Should it be put the ball at the one? If you don't like the rule, what should they do to change it? No, the rule is fine. I, I don't I, 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 I have strong opinions, and they don't always go along with the mainstream on certain things. This one, I don't understand everyone's outrage over it. It is what it is, man. What happens? The ball goes through the back of the end zone. You know, in certain situations, it's a safety. In other situations, it's a touchback. And I, I just want to say, if Bill Belichick forbading his players to do those types of things is enough that they just don't do it, then I would like for Matt LaFleur to forbid his players to fumble a football, throw interceptions, <laughs> drop a pass, um, you know, make mistakes, miss, miss a field goal. Miss a field goal. Um, no, I'm fine with the rule. Look, man, I mean, here's the other thing, too. Derek Carr has done this before. And it's, it's old habits dying hard. He's got to figure out how to not do this. You know, it's in, and think about something in life where you get into a situation where you've got muscle memory or you've got just kind of this is what I do or you don't trust your ability to beat with your feet to beat the guy into the end zone. And so you kind of dive and you want to gain a, a few extra, you know, milliseconds of, of distance and length. You got to hold on to the football and that's what the rule is. I don't, I don't know. Why would you put the ball at the one yard line if you fumble through the end zone? What else is, what else could you possibly do? I, I don't, I guess I don't understand. I don't understand yeah. that, but that's huge not, gap, huge gap by Carr. And that was a big turning point in the game for sure. And that's not nearly punitive enough to put the ball at the one yard. Don't fumble the football. It's that simple to me. Also, we're in a league where there's a million rules that favor the offense. One rule that favors the defense isn't a bad thing. Leave the damn rule alone. Otherwise, I mean, the defense, the highlights yesterday, uh, Kevin King had a big interception uh, in the red zone. The Raiders were driving. It was probably a garbage time touchdown, but it, it really helped put that game away. The Packers would score another touchdown, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling following the interception. Kevin King continues to play well. Uh, the defense as a whole didn't have a ton of standout performances yesterday. Thankfully, they didn't have a lot of injuries either. Uh, Kenny Clark left on a cart, which was terrifying for a minute, but he came back in the game 
and was able to finish, which was a positive. Uh, but the Packers overall, they're going to have to play better. I will say this for those that were freaking out about the pass rushes, that Oakland's offensive line is very good. And they did some things yesterday that I thought were designed specifically to keep Derek Carr upright. Not everything was get the ball out in two seconds like they have a propensity to do. And they did plenty of that too. Max protections, chipping. I mean, they often kept a lot of guys in. Uh, the Packers, to their credit, they made Carr uncomfortable enough at times to make some big plays. They played some really good situational football. Jason, when's the last time the Packers had a goal line stand? I mean, I'm sure that now that I say that, it happened just last year or something stupid like that. But it's not often that Green Bay has been able to make plays like that. Something I like about this team, and I think what you're seeing is offense doesn't bring it, they win with defense. Just like the Bears game, for example. Defense has a, eh, I'm not going to say they had a bad day, but they didn't have a good day either. I think that's definitely fair to say. Offense scores 42 points, and they light up the scoreboard. They are able to beat you in a variety of ways, whereas in previous years, Jason, you know this as well as I do, it was, hey, Aaron Rodgers, are you Superman today? Yes? Okay, then we're going to win. Are you not? Eh, well, does the team we're playing suck? Okay, then we have a chance. Oh, they don't? All right, we lost. Like, game over. It's that simple. Any concern at all, Jason, about this defense long term? Uh, they've had some ups and downs. I personally think that's to be expected. I really believe that they're missing Darnell Savage, and I think it speaks a lot to that young man that the defense can miss him that much, uh, and he's just a rookie. But uh, any concerns long term after yesterday's performance? I wouldn't say long term, but if you're hinging your performance and you're honestly saying that a rookie is that impactful, yeah, that might, you know, that does say a lot about Darnell Savage, but does it say more about the Packers defense? I mean, I get that he's a first rounder, first defensive back drafted, so he should be the best, you know, by that theory, should be the best one out there and a capable starter, which he is, but I haven't seen anything from Darnell Savage to me that, that makes me think he's the second coming of Ed Reed or Nick Collins or Earl Thomas out there. I mean, I do have some concerns about their ability to, you know, to cover big guys and they had some miscommunication and it was, I think Adrian, if I'm not mistaken, I think Adrian Amos is the one that, that blew the coverage on one of the Darren Waller touchdowns. And that's a, you know, that's a savvy vet that's proven to be very good. And in one moment, his gaffe cost the team points. So I, I'm not going to say long-term because this defense hasn't given me any reason to think that they can't step up and make plays. What was disappointing to me was more than anything yesterday. I mean, yes, the coverage was not great. You know, Josh Jackson finally gets in the game at the end and gives up a garbage time touchdown, which. Yeah, he was terrible. I don't know what the deal with that guy is. And, and I honestly, I honestly am telling you right now, everybody's talking about the receiver, 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 trade, trade, trade. If anything's happening, I think it's, I think Jackson's going to be involved in it. But the the Smith brothers, they did not have a bad game. The Raiders had a phenomenal, like you said, the Raiders had a phenomenal game plan coming in. Hats off, tip the cap. But nobody else stepped up and made plays. Last week, Dean Lowry was a monster against the Detroit Lions. This week, not so much. And I don't, I know that not all these guys rush the passer. Kenny Clark had the shin injury. He leaves. He comes back. You know, he hasn't been getting any any push up front this season. Rashawn Gary, once again, no, you know, I didn't see him around the quarterback a ton. Kyler Fackrell didn't play a bunch either. You know, the, the blitzes weren't getting there. Tremont comes in on a blitz. They were ready for it. 
you know, they've got to be able to, you know, this is the second game now where, where neither Smith had a sack. The first time it happened, they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in a close game. They were struggling at times against the Raiders, and they finally pulled away when, when Oakland gaffed their way out of it. But they've, the, this defense, the biggest thing is, is they've got to find a way to get production when, when their stars aren't performing. Think back to Dallas. Chandon Sullivan has a huge interception. You know, with Savage out, he that's you know Savage gets hurt, goes out. Chan Sullivan comes in, grabs a pick. I understand that they're not going to have great games, and it's not like you're going to get three sacks out of Kyler Fackrell just because you know Zadarius Smith or Preston Smith are being held at bay. You know, but Will Redmond almost had a pick in that game. That's what I'm looking for there. Everybody else just kind of zeroed out. Blake Martinez was a step slow all day. He had a ton of tackles, but none of them were more impactful. A lot of them were just keep a guy from, you know, busting it loose into the third level. That's more of the issue that I have because, you know, the Raiders have some of their own issues. Darren Waller's a great player, but they didn't have a lot of other guys around him that could make a lot of noise. Josh Jacobs as the running uh, the running back, okay. You know, he had a lot of stats, but when you start playing against teams, you know, next week, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, and again, I don't even want to talk about the Chiefs, but Travis Kelsey and, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, I think Tyreek Hill's back in the fold, right? He's healthy yep. and playing and Sammy Watkins. Those, they're going to make you pay. I mean, you got to have an answer for all three of them, and, and you can't kind of – you can't just – the left side didn't do its job and the right side didn't make up for it. They're going to have a lot of problems if that's going to be the game plan, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there's uh, – I mean, more negative than positive, I think it's fair to say about the defense yesterday. Overall, the situational football was good. And it was enough to win the game, 42-24. to 24, And that's where we're going to leave this version of Pulse of the Pack. Like I said, we will be back. We will record again on Thursday night to preview the Kansas City Chiefs. Saturday morning, I will be joined by Jacob Ogden for one last look. Jacob Ogden of Packer Report uh, to talk Packers Chiefs a little bit as well. But you want to check this video. You'll want to catch the video that we're breaking down Packers Chiefs. Unfortunately, it's not Rodgers against Mahomes like we were hoping it was going to be. The two best quarterbacks in football for my money's worth. Uh, but it is still a game for the Packers and one that, well, we'll talk more about it. But if they start winning, there's some chance for some really special shit to happen this season. So that's what we're hoping for. Uh, I think the ceiling of this team is much higher than what we anticipated. But Packers win. They beat the Raiders 42-24. to 24. I want to give a special shout-out to Dante Cameron, who went to his first Packers game yesterday at Lambeau Field. Unfortunately, he was rooting for the Raiders. So uh, the ride home was hell for him because uh, he rode up with me. So, uh, welcome to your own personal version of hell. Double trouble. Yeah, Mr. Dont. Not to mention, real quick story about this guy. This ungrateful asshole. It is 3.30 in the morning. I am not having a good night on Saturday, by the way. The Yankees blow the pennant to one of my least favorite players in all of baseball. A freaking cockroach that is Jose Altuve. I hate my life. I hate sports. I'm pretty much dead inside by this point. And this guy rings my doorbell at 3.30 in the morning, sends the dog into a tizzy and is barking because, oh, I'm here. I'm hanging out until we have to leave because we had to leave for the game at 5.30. What an asshole. That's really all I have to say about that. So you deserve the Raiders getting their ass whipped at Lambeau Field for that reason alone, Mr. Cameron. Nonetheless, guys. Follow the show. It's on Twitter. It's at Packer Pulse. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. And you can follow Jason. He's at Jason Brown. Check out our YouTube channel. We've got some new and exciting stuff coming on that. A new logo, some new information, maybe some new things that we're doing uh, all the way through as well. But we want to keep as much content as for you going. 
uh, as much as possible. Thank you guys for listening and watching every single week. And of course, as always, go Pack Go. of the Pack Podcast.